I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and my co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for today. I know. I can tell. I can see all your pearly whites, your little chiclets. They just can't stop smiling. So I'm not going to waste any time. I want to know who is our special guest today, and I think the listener is going to be eager to hear who that is as well. Who is behind the door today? Micah, we're in for a special treat. You guys, today we have Pastor Jerry Stranquist joining us on the Young Adults Today podcast. Pastor Jerry served as the lead pastor of Cedar Valley Church for 26, uh, for 26 years until he uh, retired in 2015. He was my pastor growing up and also hired me with my first job out of college as the young adult pastor. And few people have shaped my life, left such an impact and an influence in my life. And he's just really left a legacy on my heart in my life, in our marriage, and in the ministry that we now lead. And we'll get to why in just a few minutes. But Pastor Jerry, welcome to Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be with you. It's really an honor to, honor to be with you and join you. Well, we are super excited to see how we can tap into your wisdom, to the knowledge that God has downloaded to you from your leadership, to family, and everything in between. So we're just going to kick right off. And Pastor Jerry, would you be willing to share part of your story, journey of life, faith, leadership with us and our listeners today? Right. Well, I think our stories are so vital and so... I was born and raised in a farm in northern Minnesota, and that's where it all started for me. And it's really important, I think, for everybody to ultimately embrace their background, where they came from, who they are. And I uh, uh, look at what I experienced in the, on the farm and what I experienced from my parents um, ultimately helped me uh, in ministry. I, first of all, realized how blessed I was to have parents who loved each other so very much and uh, loved me. We had a really very humble beginning. In fact, we lived in a little farmhouse. There were six children, three bedrooms, and at times uh, money was kind of tight. But one of the things we never lacked was we never lacked love. I knew that my parents loved each other, and most of all, they demonstrated not only in church, but they demonstrated at home that they had a, they had a great love for God. Uh, something else I realized, really, there, were, there were two other events that really kind of impacted my life. One was my older brother was born physically and mentally uh, challenged. He was institutionalized for a while, and then ultimately he was brought home. And it gave me uh, just a greater love for people who are facing challenges. And I was never afraid of people who uh, face challenges. Sometimes when you see somebody in a wheelchair or they have some handicap, people don't know how to respond to them, but they're, they're people just like us. And even though my brother had physical challenges, we would wrestle with them and fight with them. And um, he, he loved those kinds of things. So uh, there's something else that happened to me when I was, I was going into the, the, the eighth grade. I was, uh, so I must've been about what, 13, 14 years old. And they discovered that I had cancer. And uh, that radically uh, impacted my life. Uh, I had colon cancer. I thought for a while that I might even die. And when, when that happens, uh, it really changes your perspective. And so I kind of look at life every day as a gift from God. And I think out of that experience, I also sensed the call of God upon my life and moved to uh, Minneapolis, went to North Central. My dad, I talked to dad about, my dad about uh, what I should do. 
I had an opportunity to play some football at the University of North Dakota. And my dad said, what I would like you to do is I'd like you to go to, uh, why don't you go to just go to North Central one year? And so I went one year and while I was there, uh, I just sensed that God wanted me to stay, but I also met Kathy Kingswriter and she was a senior in high school. And uh, a few years later, after we were through with school, we got married, moved to Salt Lake City, which was a great experience. And uh, about a month and a half ago, we drove through Salt Lake City. The church was wow. still standing where, where we, we lived in the church building. From there, we went to Wilmer, Wilmer Minnesota, uh, Farmington, um, Kenosha, Wisconsin, and then ultimately Bloomington. Then we retired. And it's really a kind of a sad story because we moved out here, believe it or not, four years ago. And we moved out here to be with our grandchildren. And of course, a year after we'd been here, my son Andy was promoted and moved to California. And wouldn't you know, he took the grandchildren with him. So oh, man. We, just, we, we decided we're going to stay here. And uh, in fact, Kathy turned to me and said, you want to move back to Minnesota? And before I could answer, she said to me, if you're moving, you're going to be moving by yourself because I'm staying in Arizona. <laughs> I decided to stay here in Arizona with Kathy. So, and we love it. And I'm, I, I, I really enjoy the snow, snow that you're having from afar. I, I'm just happy for you. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll be mowing my lawn later this week, so just, but I'll be thinking about you. Well, we're, <laughs> we you. are so happy that you'll be mowing your lawn, getting a tan while we suffer from yes. frostbite. Know, frostbite. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh my gosh, that's too fun. Well, Pastor Jerry, you have had a lot of experience leading people, um, coming alongside people in multiple ways and just how your story and how your life has been a testimony, testimony to those around you. And I would just ask you to the pastor of a church leading and listening today, what would you say in terms of why are young adults so important to reach and why do you believe in young adult ministry? Well, you know, there's a, a something that I really want to share. And I think between the two of you, there's a kind of a living illustration of how it works. And um, Josiah, I think if, if my memory is correct, we hired you, but we didn't pay you anything. That's true. <laughs> that, that was true. He volunteered. <laughs> yeah. So I said, uh, Josiah, I'd like to hire you, but we're not going to pay you anything. <laughs> and that shows how smart I am and how stupid you are. <laughs> or how determined he is. And sooner or later, he did land a job with you that, that you offered. <laughs> that, right, right. And I, I, and that's a, just a, just a great illustration. And, um, I think I really what I would like to talk about is how did I how did I hire you? How did that all happen? Did that just happen on a whim? Did that just you know I just here's a here's a guy who's cheap and we'll we'll just hire him and see if he'll come on as a volunteer. Um, I remember you had a young adult party at my house. Wow! And there were there were like a hundred young adults. Oh yeah, in my backyard and throughout my house, you guys just took over my house. And um, part of what I did is I I was just talking, as you know, I just talked to kids, and some of them I've never seen them before. And so I asked them. I said, "Well, how, how did you get here? Who invited you? And what's your contact?" And I would say that ninety percent of the people I talked to said, I'm here because of Josiah. I'm here because of Josiah. I'm here because of Josiah. And so that's, that's when I said, you know what, we got to see if we can somehow work something out where Josiah could come in and begin to work here and hopefully we'll free up some money and we'd be able to do some things. And that's kind of how it all happened. So uh, one of the things that I feel very, very strongly 
strongly about it. And that is something I picked up from Robert Schuler, And that was, uh, you need to bloom where you're planted. Mm. And so you were, I think, working at a kind of a sports thing. And yeah. you had contact with young adults. And you look at it as an opportunity to, to minister to people. And you, you came to find out that people are looking for connection. They're looking for somebody who cares about them, somebody who will talk to them. And I remember um, Robert Schuler said, bloom where you're planted. We're all looking for ideal situation when everything comes together, then I'll make a difference. Well, why don't you bloom right where you're planted? And that applies to young adults. Are you making a difference uh, in school? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna really do something when I when I graduate. I'm gonna really do something when I pay off my school bill. I'm gonna really do something when I have a job. Well, why don't we do something now? Why don't we make a difference mm -hmm. now? And that's exactly what you were doing. You were making a difference and you were blooming where you were planted, even though you weren't hired, you made a difference. And I think that is a really key and important for, for young people. I like what uh, you probably heard of uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. And Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about before you can change the world, and a lot of people are out demonstrating and they're gonna change the world, they're gonna make a difference. Before you learn how to change the world, why don't you learn how to clean your room or make wow. your bed? So they're just those little things in life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really like to change you, but I can't change myself. So why don't you make a difference right where you're at? And it's amazing just by cleaning your room, making your bed, taking care of the little things that are right there before I attempt to change America or the church or my job. And the only person I ultimately can change is myself. Mm -hmm. That's, that's incredible. And Pastor Jerry, I remember uh, the, the barbecue at your house well. I remember like just praying and, and fasting and just sensing that like God, God's hand was on me to reach young adults. And then you opened up your house. And so I just look at like for the listener who maybe is pastoring, mm -hmm. I just look at like how willing and open and available you were as the lead pastor to just say, hey, you can come over or we're accessible, we're approachable, you can use my backyard. And uh, young adults did show up and I think that that's so true. And there's a lot of churches today saying, young adults are leading the church, they're leading their faith. But I wonder how many of them have had an opportunity to come over to a pastor's house to just have a burger, to have a meal, or to, to grill out, to be outside, and then to obviously have community with right. the Lord, but with other people. And so I'm just curious for, um, you're, you're someone, Pastor Jerry, that I admire in your insight and in your wisdom. And you're someone who's hired a lot of different people to do a lot of different roles. What did you look for when you hired someone or what should somebody who's trying to hire a job description or trying to find the right candidate, what should they look for when they hire someone? If possible, uh, what kind of character do they have? Are they, are they, uh, you know, a person of integrity. Uh, it doesn't take long and you're, you're around somebody. And I kind of use this little lit litmus test. If I heard that Josiah was coming into my office, how would I feel? Would my response be, oh, I hope this is short. I hope I can get him out of here as soon as possible. Uh, Josiah's coming to my office. Oh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be enjoyable. That's going to be uplifting. That's going to be a positive experience. There'll be no whining, no crying, no, uh, you know, that, that will be, that would be awesome. So one of the things I look for is I look for character. Mm -hmm. Is there, are they a person of character? Do they show up on time? Do they uh, do what they say? Can I trust them? If they're all alone, can I trust them? What, how do other people feel about them? And then an, another thing that I look for, um, I would bring other staff members in and I would say to them, what do you think about Josiah? Or what do you think about this person coming to work for us? 
And I, I call it team fit. Do they have the team fit? And then the third thing that I look for, uh, it has to do with their skill base. So I'm always looking for uh, character, team fit, and then also to look for skills. Huge, huge on my list when it comes down to character. Do you have a servant's heart? You know, the, the, the scripture talks about he who is greatest among you is servant of all. And um, I can't tell you the number of people that I, that I hired simply because they were around the church and they weren't doing it to impress me, but, but they were volunteering. They were volunteering in the nursery. There were times that things needed to be moved or set up or whatever. They were there. Uh, we've all been to parties and the party is over. And there are a couple of people who stay around to make sure that everything is put back together. And I can remember in Kenosha, there was a, there was a guy who, who uh, was leading more people to the Lord. And not only was he leading people to the Lord, but he was just the kind of guy who was there to serve. He was serving people. And uh, eventually I hired him. He left a very successful business, similar to Tom Trzinski, left a very successful business. And I said to him, I said, God has his hand upon you. And uh, you need to seriously think about coming to work for me. And I'm going to put you in charge. We were doing evangelism explosion and he, he did our evangelism explosion. Remember Keith Kerstetter. Keith Kerstetter was hired as my business administrator. And we would be sitting in business in our uh, staff meetings and Keith, uh, just being Keith, he, he couldn't help himself. He was just gifted of God and he would be sharing spiritual, here's the guy who, who didn't have the theological training at the time, he was my business administrator. And I turned to Keith one day, I called him to my office and I said, you need to seriously think about getting credentials because we're going to move you out of the business part mm -hmm. and you need to become one of the staff members here. And he did. And now he's been in Wilmer, Minnesota for 19 years. Amazing. How did that, how did that all start? It all started. He was uh, uh, working in the Hopkins school district as a, as an administrator and since the call of God in his life, so he who, uh, if you really want to be great, become a servant. And I, 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 I really like what um, Martin Luther King said about servanthood. And I think I, 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 have, I have a copy of that here. It, it says something to the effect that anybody can be great. Uh, you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be intellectually uh, a giant. You just simply serve. I'm here simply to serve. And anyone can serve me. Jesus pointed that out. That's so, so good. those are the kind of things I look for. And I, 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 you know, I just, it doesn't take long. And uh, you come to find out that, that people are there to make a difference and they're there to serve. And God has his hand upon them. That's amazing. And I just say like that applies for a volunteer. That applies for a staff. It, it just, it's like you want to surround yourself with excellent people that have an excellent heart of service. Yeah, I think that's a great reminder. I think, Pastor Jerry, you were always one that would, Josiah would be thrilled to come home and be like, you'll never guess who came into my office. And I'm like, who? Pastor Jerry. He said, he came into my office, he said, Josiah, I believe in you. How can I serve you? And I think so many times we can come across unhealthy leaders or leadership saying, I have staff to serve me, to serve my vision. But in reality, leaders have an opportunity to provide you know, the, the skill set and the gift set and to help other people's gifts come alive to further God's kingdom together. Ultimately, the lead pastor is casting vision. They are leading, but they also have an opportunity to call out greatness in those that they've surrounded themselves with from faculty and staff, and they get to run together. And one thing that you've done very well, I think, is the leadership component, but also the longevity of ministry and finishing right. well and finishing strong and i would just ask you 
um, when you, you leading a church for 26 years and being in ministry, you know, just being a witness in that regard, how would you encourage the listener today to walk in the authority and mantle of leadership that God has given them without building their own kingdom in the process? What would you say to that? Uh, <laughs> well, well, I know that, I know that these are, these are things that I, I literally thought about often. And um, I picked this up from Bill Gothard, and he, um, you, Josiah, you probably heard me share them quite often. And there, there are three choices that you make in life. And the first choice you make in life is how are you going to respond to authority? And I get really nervous about our world today, where people are denigrating parents. They wow. denigrate the police. They denigrate our president. And um, I had somebody just recently say to me, and they're not a, a Trump supporter, but it was on Facebook. Are you a Trump supporter? And I wrote them back and said, yes, I am. I'm a Trump supporter, just as I supported Obama just as I supported Bush, just as I supported, I went right down the list. Now, does that mean I agree with everything they do and say? No, but God put them there. They are not there because they were elected. President Trump was not there because he was elected. He was put there by God. And we have scripture in the book of Romans that deals with that very issue. Yep. And I find that people find it really difficult because they're looking for perfect leadership. They're looking for perfect authority. Our parents weren't perfect. Our pastors aren't perfect. Our leaders are not perfect. But uh, we, we have a responsibility to submit to the authority. And so when a police officer shows up, I go, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. What can I help? What can I do? I respond to the authority. I did that same with coaches. I did the same thing. I look back to some of the things I did when I was in high school. I was, I did not totally understand that. And I probably was disrespectful to some of my teachers and I regret that. Now that one of the choices you make is how do you respond to authority? Uh, I, 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 let me just uh, another illustration. I have a younger son by the name of Tim and he worked in, um, he's, he still lives in Houston and he would sometimes tell me about what was happening at work. And I would say to him, that's, that's abusive. They're taking advantage of you. And he said, yeah, dad, uh, it is, but I, I'm going to work through this. And I said, uh, you're really good friends. In fact, the owner of the company really likes you. You're like his favorite employee. Why don't you tell him? He said, no, 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 I won't do that. That's not my responsibility. I have a boss to work with and I will do what I can to work under this person. I'm not going to destroy them by going to, going to the boss. Now, I think there was maybe a little adjustment that needed to be made there. But, but I see now in my son that the favor of God is upon him because wow. he learned how to submit to authority. So first choice is how you submit to authority. There's a second choice that you make, and that has to do with the friends you make. What kind of friends do you make? You learn a lot. In fact, I, uh, I moved a staff member along to his destiny because one day I walked by his office and all of the troublemakers and gossipers out of Cedar Valley were in his office. And I went, I got a bad apple here. You learn a lot by the people that they hang around with. Mm -hmm. These are the people he hangs around with. And they're nothing but they denigrate the place. They're destructive in what they say. They gossip. So you're friends. Then the third choice you make is, are you going to be a giver or a taker? Mm -hmm. We live in a world where people ask, what are you going to do for me? What's the church going to do for me? What's America going to do for me? What are my parents going to do for me? 
And your life changes drastically when you walk into every given situation and you say, what can I give? Mm -hmm. Not what can I take, but what can I give? How can I make this organization better? How can I make this marriage better? How can I make this family better? What can I do to make this country better? And it's, so those three things, how you respond to authority. Secondly, um, um, uh, your friends. And then third, are you going to be a giver or a taker? That's good. Those are really incredible, Pastor Jerry. And, and I look at what's crazy about those three things to me is how they do apply to life, how they do apply mm-hmm. to marriage how they apply to family or parenting or like you said in the workplace with leadership and ministry and right. you know I, I think it's it's great if we become better leaders but if we neglect family in the process or if we you know like that's why I love that you said like okay am I gonna honor the authority of God am I gonna surround myself with good people am I gonna be a giver and can I just have a servant's approach approach with Micah and just mm-hmm. with the spouse and everything and so Really, when you look at young leaders today, Pastor Jerry, I think that you just gave some great insight for young leaders, but looking at the scope and scale of longevity in ministry for the young person who's just starting out, maybe just graduating North Central University or Bible College or just taking their first steps into ministry or volunteering, interning, what would you say to them about beginning with the end in mind? Hmm. Well, fortunately for me, and I, 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 I think there are some real keys in the whole in, in, in the whole process, and that is to always be a learner. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately for me, I had some people who shared with me and told me to be patient and. Uh, I think one of the things with young leaders today, in fact, uh, I just had contact with, uh, with a young leader and they look at what's happening at some of the larger churches and this guy is, he hasn't seen it happen quite like he wants it to happen. And I think comparing ourselves with other people is really dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. Really dangerous. And oftentimes we think that what I'm doing is really not it compared to somebody else. They're preaching to thousands and I'm preaching to 50. And that's like saying a mother is really not important because she only deals with one, two, three, four or five or six kids. Do you realize the kind of impact that a mother has? So good. For for eternity. And we go, well, and and what did Jesus do? But Jesus spent the vast majority of his time with 12 disciples. And really, he spent a great amount of his time with three. Mm -hmm. And he was, he passed it on to them. And we, we think about, well, so we've got, a thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand people listening to us preach, and we think, well, that's really terrific. But let's take the Jesus principle. He had twelve, and even one of those failed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Judas. Judas had a really good pastor. He had he had a really great leader, and he still failed. Wow. So, but you just think about okay, twelve, and then those twelve multiplied to twelve. And they multiply to 12. Uh, before long, you're now dealing with millions of people. Mm-hmm. So we all think it's a huge, a huge problem and a huge solution. The solution is really pretty small. If everybody does something right where they're, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. But um, I had people who spoke into my life about being patient. So, for instance, I went to Farmington. Farmington had an almost 50-year history. Well, it was almost a 40-year history when I went there. And a pastor told me, he said, if you'll be patient, don't expect anything to happen for, for, uh, you know, for five years. Well, there were things that happened in the first year. It was just amazing. 
And so I was just, oh my goodness, there's got to be a mistake because something's happened. But it helped me, it helped me just to settle down, mm-hmm. line upon line, precept upon precept. And ultimately we're playing to an audience, audience of one. And out of that little church in Farmington, first Sunday we were there, there were 33 people. You've got Mark Olson, you've got Keith Thompson. I mean, there's just a whole list of, of people out of that little church in Farmington. And so if you're faithful and little, he will make you ruler over much more. So we just went in there and we loved it and ministered to those people. It was, it was just so exciting. And uh, the same applied in everything we were doing. And I, I, I live by the scripture. In Ephesians chapter 4, it, is, it says that what we are to do is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was working with those 12 disciples. And he was passing it on and sharing it with them because ultimately Jesus was going to go. And so sometimes we think, well, you know, I, I'm really not doing very much. But all it takes is one. There was one person who led Billy Graham to the Lord. There was one person who touched somebody else. And so we think, well, what I'm doing is not very, very much. But you can do a lot. One of the things I learned is I um, walked into a setting and um, people were kind of, they were bad-mouthing somebody. And, you know, let's just say, I don't like that, Josiah. I just kind of, I just kind of sat there didn't say anything that was the last time I did that because here's what happened they quoted me they said pastor Stranquist doesn't like Josiah either I didn't say anything so uh, the next time I walked into a meeting and somebody is saying oh I don't like that blah, blah. I go whoa, whoa wait a second what kind of solution do you have how are you going to make it better? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I didn't always do this, but I remember there's a, there's a gal by the name of Judy Turner who was at Cedar Valley Church, single gal. And um, she was in the class with me when I was at North Central. I totally forgot this, but she never forgot it. And in the class, we broke up into small groups and somebody was making some derogatory comments about the physical appearance of somebody in the school. And Judy said she never forgot this. Where I stood up for that person, I said, there's probably, there's absolutely nothing they can do. They were born with that condition. So why would we even talk about it? And why would we even say those kinds of things? And so 30 years, 20 years later, Judy still remembers that because what we do is we'll protect one another. We'll defend one another because that person is just as valuable to God as I am. And Jesus died for that person. Just as, So are we going to raise the spiritual level of the meeting, the group, the church, wherever we go? Yeah, I think that's a beautiful challenge and a reminder for the day and age in which we live to realize right. that many people may be called to ministry, many people may be called to leadership, but may, but may never step into that because of a character flaw or something they're not worth willing to walk through or to give up a spirit of gossip, a spirit of, you know, fill in the blank, you know? So as leaders and as young leaders, um, as we begin ministering or saying yes to what God has, keeping in mind that God sees all, he knows all. And people remember those things. Like you said, Pastor Jerry, 20, 30 years later, that classmate remembers you standing up for that other person third party. And that shows your character and an integrity that many people wish they may had, like have, or that we need to grow in. And as we grow in um, being in tune with the spirit, like you said, having each other's back and really admiring people versus tearing them down and calling out greatness versus tearing them down. Um, I would just ask you this next question. I know that you're passionate about young adults, young adult ministry, the next generation. You took a risk on Josiah with hiring him and opened up your home and all these other beautiful things. But what else goes through your mind that you've maybe learned about the next generation that you'd be willing to share with our listeners today? There's two things that I'd like to share with you. 
Um, the first thing is be really careful about how you think. Because the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have 50,000 thoughts every day. So what we have to do is we have to take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I think a lot of people just let their minds go. Mm -hmm. They let anything into their thoughts. And life ultimately comes down to a lot of choices. Um, you choose what you eat. You choose your friends. Mm -hmm. You cho choose where you go. You choose to exercise. You choose to be uh, proactive. You choose to forgive. And you choose how you think. There's a book that ended up on my desk. In fact, there were probably about 20 copies or more of the 4A principle. Amazing book. Remember that? Amazing. Yeah. And uh, that, that book, we called the, we, we thought somebody had, had ordered it. And ultimately, I had Cora call the publisher, and the publisher said, No, those were sent to you for free. So, <laughs> So if you came into my office, I gave away books. Here's a book, here's a book. And now there's one left, and I read it. And it's a book that I still read today. Yeah. It, you could read a chapter a day for a devotional piece. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And um, uh, some people need to go on a thought diet. And, and I've done this, where I just go, what am I thinking about? You know, I have to fight it even now. I'm old. Nobody remembers me. It's over. You're done. But you know what? It's a lie. Yeah. Right. So what do, you, what do you do? You always counteract a lie with the truth. Who's the father of lies? But Satan is. That's his language. And I see this with young adults, young adults and whomever where they're constantly living out a lie. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God put his hand upon me. Uh, I go back to victory over darkness. And the, in the victory over darkness, they have uh, 20 cans of success. And to continually say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then, the second thing I want to say is that it's really important to know the weapons that Satan uses against us. And there are only three things that he uses. It's a little bit like, uh, let's say we're going up against the Green Bay Packers or the Minnesota Vikings, and you do a little, uh, do, do a little research, and you realize they only use three plays. Well, how are you going to, how are you going to, uh, what are you going to do with your defense? You got to study the film. That's it. We don't, we know. We just know they only use three plays. That's it. Three plays. That's the way Satan is. And what are those three plays? The first one is he wants you to get bitter. It's called a root of bitterness. And you'll see people who are bitter. They're just, they're always griping, complaining. They're angry. Life hasn't been fair. Life isn't fair. And, and, and I, I want to say we're leaders. Leaders sometimes are saying, if you, you know, I, I would even have this, they would say, if I had the kind of staff that you have, Pastor Strandis, if I worked at Bloomington, I could be a great leader just like you. Well, why don't you go build it? Why don't you go do it? So what does God do when he calls us into situations and we can either curse it or we can make it better? Mm -hmm. And when I went to Farmington and there were 33 people that very first Sunday, I had some of my friends say, why would you go to Farmington? You know why? Because that was the only church that called us. It was the only opportunity we had. Kathy was pregnant with the twins. We had no hospitalization. They had a parsonage. They paid us $100 a week. $100 a week. Yeah, can you believe it? No hospitalization, but we had a place. We worked out, we worked on an arrangement with the doctor so that we could pay him. And, uh, you know, 
that just some of the things you do. And God's hand of favor was upon us in Farmington. And we just saw it. But you just walk in and go, if the situation was ideal and everything was just the way you wanted it to be, then I'll go. We went knowing that God had put his hand upon us. So the first, first thing, or, or, or excuse me, the, of the three weapons, one is bitterness. The second one is um, what I call temporal values. The things of this world, we get caught up in the things of this world. And I live in a very nice house and I have some nice things, but I hold all of this very, just very loosely. It doesn't belong to me. I'm never going to take it with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm strategizing and saying, how can I use the resources that I have uh, for the glory of God? Don't let this ever grab a hold of you. And I see this. We're, we're, they're running after the almighty dollar. You know, it's a, just simply a tool. And then the third tool that Satan uses is moral impurity. Mm. I can justify, I can, you know, I can justify sleeping with my girlfriend. I can justify sleeping with my secretary. I can, because my wife doesn't treat me well. It's all a trick of Satan. Bitterness, moral impurity, and temporal values. Now, you, you take a look at people who have run off the rails. You'll, you'll look at them and go, it's one of those three things. It's always one of those three things. All of a sudden, the cares of this world are far more important than going to church. They're far more important than studying God's word. They're more important than getting into a small group. And all of a sudden, they're sidetracked and shipwrecked. And it's just really pretty sad. So, I, you know, I, I just understand what, what Satan wants to do. Mm-hmm. He wants you to, when you get to my age, to look at the end of your, the, uh, your life and say, it was a mess. It was a failure. I'm filled with regrets. Mm-hmm. So I was always looking at how could I invest in a Josiah? How could I invest in a Micah? How could I invest in a, 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 a Brent Silkey? How could I invest in a David Collins? How could I invest in uh, Keith Kerstetter? How could I invest in these people? You know why? Because it's like, it's like the Jesus principle. We find 12 people or two people or three people and invest in them. Mm-hmm. Encourage them. I just find that just encouragement is such a big deal. Not maybe because I need a lot of encouragement. But my wife says to me, because I'm, first of all, because I'm a people person and, and an encourager, she says, it's just, it's just crazy. You walk into church, even the church we go to now, and all of a sudden people come around you. Why is that? Because I encourage them. If they're guys, I give them a bad time. Hey, stupid. Hey, ugly. You know, how are you? You know? <laughs> and they'll say, well, it takes one to know, you know? And you just give them, man, it's just good to see you. And you just make my, you know, and to be an encourager, I think that's really key. Well, and Pastor Jerry, I benefited so much from two things from you, really three. One was your encouragement. Like you have a voice of encouragement that, It's like when you have, for me, when you have Pastor Jerry praying for you, believing in you and encouraging you with his words, there's a part of me that feels unstoppable. It's like, what can't God do when I'm filled up and encouraged? And the second thing is you did invest in me and I'm eternally grateful. And now I get to do the same for others. And it's so fun to just invest and really reinvest what you've invested in me. And the third thing, is you've taught me how you think. And that, that might not have ever dawned on other people, but what I look at is like, you would share a story of overcoming cancer at right. you know, eighth grade, grade nine. And I, eighth grade, ninth grade, and I just look at like, maybe it was that, or maybe it was just your life experiences or what God did with you. But Romans 12, one and two says, I urge you brothers and sisters to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice and do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I remember being 18 years old, trying to figure out what in the world am I supposed to do in life, but then realizing that 
Part of it is how I view God, my theology, my framework for thinking, my framework for decision making. And so I think like learning how to encourage yourself is so vital. And Pastor Jerry, you are super optimistic. You have the gift of encouragement. And so we're going to tap into that gift if you're open to it. And what we want to do is for the last five minutes of this interview, we want to ask you five questions Rapid fire. We call it the five and five. Are you up for it? Okay. All right. Pastor Jerry, question number one. What is the most humbling moment in ministry you have ever experienced? This will be helpful for our listeners because we're all going to have a, or several, (laughs) humbling moments. Oh, you know, it's really difficult for me to think about, you know, I, I can remember one time I um, I was going to have a committal. I had the funeral on Friday, and then I was going to have the committal on Saturday. And I'm sitting at home, and the funeral director called me and said, Hey, Strankwist, aren't you supposed to be at Don Valley for a committal service? I go, you have got to be kidding me. So it was a beautiful day. It was like 75 degrees and the family was just so forgiving. I said, I'll be there. I'll be there in 20 minutes. So I went up, put a jacket on. Ran. That was that was embarrassing. Uh, kind of funny. I'm trying to think. I've had a few times where I've forgotten names. But, you know, that happens. Um, I honestly can't think of too many embarrassing moments. I'm, I know I've had a lot of them. But I just kind of looked at it and said, you know, that's just part of life. That just happens. I didn't, you know, maybe I maybe I should have been embarrassed, but I but I wasn't, you know. It's, that's just the way it, this is the way it is. Optimistic, taking every opportunity as a learning experience. So that's yeah. the twist. But, <laughs> well, you know, I think I think one of the things because we all do stupid, dumb things, and I and I would do it. And then, because I'll see people try to cover it up. I don't cover it up. I just go, well, that was, that was really dumb. That was, that was, I can't believe I said that. So you laugh at yourself. And, and then, then people go, yeah, okay, that's, yeah. That was, well, I can't believe it. And um, uh, so, yeah, you know, I've, I, you know, I had this happen. I, I had this happen with a wedding one time. I was doing a wedding. And I said, now we're going to do the vows. And the, I had somehow gotten lost in the, in the little bit in my script. And it was an outdoor wedding. And uh, the bride said to me, uh, there's supposed to be a song right now. And I went, I just would like to apologize. And I said, Susie, would you get up? So she got up with her guitar and she sang. And it, you know, it was embarrassing, but so... Those things just happen. People people make mistakes, and I, I just acknowledged it. I apologized to her later, and I said, thanks for helping me out. Really appreciate it. So that was our wedding, just for the listen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was your wedding. Not, yeah. It was not our wedding. <laughs> what you just said, though, I think you just answered this, interestingly enough, like Tanner Morgan. We had the quarterback for the Gophers on the podcast a while ago. And he talked about having a short memory. He's like, sometimes you get sacked and sometimes you fumble the ball, but really like you got to have a short memory and move on. Yep. You got to get yep. over it pretty quick. So um, with that question two, uh, Pastor Jerry, are there any words that you live by? Maybe it's a verse, maybe it's something that you just hold close to your heart as a daily reminder. You know, there actually, there are a lot of things and, um, that I, that I actually live by. And uh, let me tell you, there's one little little thing that I'll, I'll show it to you. I've got, uh, well, I, you can't really see it, but I got a little sheet of paper right here. And with that sheet of paper, what I, what I did is I just wrote things down that I thought were, like, let me, for instance, I've even, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, this sheet has like 40 different things on it. And just things, and I also, I have a notebook here. And with the notebook, there are just things that 
I picked up from Bill Hybels or from uh, John Maxwell or, you know, I, I, those are just things I, I live by. There's, there's, there's one thing that I, I found was really very helpful. And I got this from Ed Savoso, and it's taken from Luke chapter 10. And people say, well, how can I make a difference? How can I possibly make a difference? But you read in Luke chapter 10 that they sent out the disciples. And uh, what did they do? But they went into the house, and the very first thing they did was they brought peace or they brought blessing. Wow. And uh, so many times we go, well, I can't bless that. Uh, no, I'm going to bless my family. I'm going to bless my church. I'm going to bless my work. I'm just going to be. Then the second thing they do is they listen. They fellowship with them. So many times we're just yabbering away and talking and we're not listening. Mm -hmm. And um, a, a book that had a great influence on me was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Not just simply by asking questions and listening. And pretty soon people start sharing with you. And what do they do? But they begin to share a need. They share some of their insecurities just simply by asking questions. And then the fourth step is you then can share the gospel. So you bless them. How many people you walk in and go, man, it's just great to see you. Good to be with you without saying blessing, but what you're doing is you're blessing them. Man, it's good to be with you. Then you start asking questions, meet their need and share, share the gospel. And part of what we do is, in fact, uh, this morning, um, we just had some work done on our bathrooms. We had a contractor in and um, this is the, the last day he'll get his final check. And uh, what, what our contractor would do is he'd come in at seven o'clock. I'd be sitting in the back with my coffee. He'd sit down and talk to me for half an hour. And I loved it because it was an opportunity to listen to me. Mm -hmm. Every day he'd sit and talk to me for half an hour. So I just talked to Kevin now. I said, Kevin, I'm going to miss you. He said, I'm going to miss you. I said, if you're ever coming by, stop in. The door is open. And part of what I want to do is I, uh, he's, I'm going to be able to share the gospel with him. And we've talked about spiritual things. And he's, uh, I just feel he's really close, really close. Amen. So I kind of live by that. How can I bless people? And I've had people who've done and denigrated me. I go, Lord, would you bless them? <laughs> and you know what I hate about doing that? God does it. He's son of a gun. He blesses them. I've had people say, I've had people say things to me and denigrate me and violate me. And I think about them and I go, God, would you bless them? And then God does. And I hate it. I wish he wouldn't do it. <laughs> he does. And those are, those are, those are kind of the things. And then, then something else I do is I, I just kind of live one day at a time. Some people live in the past, you know, that's called history. Other people are living in the future, but that's a mystery. And the only thing I got is today. I just got today. And uh, when you do that, I, I was going through a really difficult, you didn't know this. I don't think, I don't think you were worried, but I was going through a really difficult time and couldn't sleep. There was some stuff going on in the church and I couldn't, I just couldn't get the answer. And um, I remember I was awake at four o'clock in the morning. I was in the living room of my house and Kathy got up and she said, what's, what's going on? I said, you know, I never signed up for this. All I wanted to do was love God, love people. And this is really difficult. And I don't know what's going on. And I know there's something wrong. Now, ultimately, it was revealed there was something going on. And it, it, we found out about it. But in the meantime, I just said, you know, Kathy, I can't do this anymore. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to live one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And it saved my life. Because wow. I couldn't deal with tomorrow. I couldn't deal with next weekend. I couldn't deal with Friday. But I could deal with today. And I think that's taken from Alcoholics Anonymous. I just live one day at a time. All I got is today. And I think when people do that. And I remember uh, one day when I was in Kenosha, there was, I gave a guy a ride home. 
And he worked for a cement company. In fact, was running the cement company in, in Milwaukee. And as I dropped him off, he had a little resort. And they had like 12 cabins. And he told me, he said, uh, I remodeled those last year. And I go, you've got to be kidding. I know what kind of work you're doing. How could you remodel? He said, I did it myself. I said, how did you do that? So we're really very simple. I would do something every day. Mm -hmm. Wow. So he said, I would come home. He said, some days I would just be totally exhausted. I'd go into one of those cabins. I'd put up one piece of drywall. I'd put in one light fixture. Now he said, you just imagine putting up one piece of drywall a day for a year. That's 300 some pieces of drywall. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, if I can't put up 10 pieces of drywall, I'm not going to do it. So they never do it. Right. They never have the time to do it. So he says, sometimes it would just take me 15 minutes to put up a piece of drywall. I'm going to put up a light fixture. I'm going to put in a new socket. I'm going to put down a piece of tile. That's all I'm going to do. And I, he said, I did it every day. And it's amazing what I was able to do in, in a, a year in remodeling these 12 cabins. So, and I think that's the way life is. We think, well, I don't have much time. We'll do a little bit today. Every bit today. A little bit today. Watch and see what happens. Beginning with the end in mind once again. All right, Pastor yeah. Question number three. This is the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question today, what would that be? Anything in the world. Can be ministry related, non-ministry related. If I had one question. Um, yeah, the question is, what are you doing to make sure that your marriage is, is going to last forever? Mm-hmm. That's good. I love that one. You know, I had great models in my life, like my parents. They are married to this day. They love each other. I think of you and Kathy when I think of marriage. And um, one of the things that I picked up along the way, I think you guys both said it, but date your spouse. Right. And yeah. so it's been a little bit different with COVID and quarantine. And then you're dating all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> And having newborn too, so it's like okay, we're we're trying to rework our rhythm, but always to every week have a date night. I yep. think another thing that we committed from the beginning of our marriage is to read one book a year on marriage mm -hmm. and just talk about it, mm -hmm. just discuss it. And we live in a yep. world where there's podcasts, there's right now media, and so we sometimes will watch instead yep. of Netflix. Let's watch a message on marriage, and right. so. Just, I guess my last thought is um, trying, trying to outserve Micah or trying to say what right. can you bless her today. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Is we chose from the beginning, like you said, to date each other with intentionality and make ourselves available for that. Because I think sometimes the moment you get married, you're like, well, I'm not available to even be dated anymore. Like I don't have time for X, Y, and Z. And the reality is, if if we want our marriage to last, then we need to invest in it every day. Kind of like you just said, like invest every day it's like putting you know some money in the piggy bank or it's putting you know food on the table and having a date night and having late night conversations when i'd rather be sleeping because aurora's be up in a couple hours you know but to really be intentional with our time with our words with our actions and to um just pursue one another and allow ourselves to be pursued in and out of whatever season ministry may have us because at the end of the day we still come home to and, each other uh, come home to each other yeah so great question okay i have another question i've been related to that and okay. that is micah what is your love language and what is josiah's love language okay my top two are um physical touch and quality time and his are his is uh words of affirmation is his number one and then his second is uh physical touch so we both have physical touch, but I am definitely quality time. I'm like, quality time for me is not being in the same room. It's intentionally having eyeball contact, mm -hmm. communication, delightful, you know, conversation, sharing a meal, doing whatever. And I can just tell him, babe, you look so good today. He's like, I do? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I know when I, when I see him wrestling or struggling, I need to step back and be like, okay, am I being a wife? that is using my words to encourage like I should be, 
or am I trying to control or correct when I'm frustrated or, you know, sleep, sleep is not, you know, happening because of a newborn or whatever. So right. be able to see the, the love tanks they talk about in that of, am I withholding something yeah. unintentionally or intentionally, or am I even offering that to my spouse? So yeah, he's definitely words of affirmation. Without <laughs> a doubt. That's a good question. So back to you, Pastor Jerry, what would you say, question four out of five, what would you say God's speaking to you or downloading to you now that you're retired? I think that one of the things that I've really been impressed with, and it's, it's probably something that I'm, I'm really praying. And um, it's the, the importance of the word of God. Do we, do we really listen to the word of God? And um, there's a book that I have. Uh, I, I have a number of my books in Kindle. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a book, all of a sudden, I, um, I just am rereading it again. And it, it just, just uh, puts a lot of certain of scriptures in a, and it's by the, oh, I'm sorry about that, but his name is Scott. And, and the importance of, of, of the word of God mm. and making sure that the word of God is a part of your life. And then um, I've been really, uh, I do work with some young adults and I, I uh, came upon a, somebody that I'd never met before and uh, two young adults that I've been working with they told me about a guy by the name of Paul Washer. And have you ever heard of Paul Washer? Yes. Yep. On YouTube. Yes. And uh, I, I, when I talked to these two young adults and they told me, I, I asked them, I said, who's influencing you? And I had, I had talked to them about David Platt and I talked to them about a few other people. And they said, are you familiar with Paul Washer? And I said, no, I'm not. So I went to YouTube and I listened to, to Paul Washer. And when I was through listening to Paul Washer, let me tell you, I had just great, you know, great admiration for these young adults to think that they're being influenced by this young guy. I mean, he's not that young anymore, but I just go, that is amazing. You know a lot about the people by who are they listening to? Yes. Who are they listening to? And so, um, I just, I think that's part of the thing is, what is the word of God saying? And we live in this world. Um, I even saw something just this morning on the Paul, that, that the Pope now is talking about affirming all kinds of different relationships. Mm -hmm. And I want to go, I hope that's not true. Because what I want is I want, let's stay true to the word of God. Yeah. Not what I think. Now, what the culture thinks, what does the word of God say? Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what God's saying to me. That's good. All right, Pastor Jerry, the last and final question. Question five, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Um, well, I kind of, I think I've kind of said it, and that is... Um, Bloom where you're planted. That's good. You know, um, I, I, you know, if somebody had told me that I would experience what I experienced in my life, I would have said, I said, you're crazy. But um, just, just be faithful. It, it's one of those, again, I'm re-quoting what I said. If you are faithful a little, he'll make you ruler over much more. So just simply be faithful with what you've got. And, uh, you know, once in a while, uh, I, I talked to a young couple the other day. Their son is in, he's actually in law school now. But we're not sure what he's going to do. They were just going. And I go, all three of my kids, there were times I was nervous about what they were going to do. Don't worry about it. They're going to find their place. They're going to find their niche. You're going to find your place. You're going to find your niche. You know why that is? Because God cares about you. Mm -hmm. and you're going to be faithful at this place and there's going to be a guy who walks in or a gal who walks in and says we've been looking for somebody like you have you ever considered 
Tim just got a new job two years ago. And there were two guys that worked for a company that saw him at these conferences. And a series of events had happened where he was working, where um, he wanted to expand his responsibilities. And they said no. And he all of a sudden was open. And these guys called him to his room. He was at a, up in Montana. And they called him to his room and said, hey, we want to we wanna seriously uh, give, we'd like you to come to work, not for us, but with us. And um, he said, I'm open to it. And uh, they made all kinds of promises. And I said, Tim, don't, you got to see the facts. Don't, and they came in and showed him what could happen. And they said to him something similar to me. <clears throat> you, nothing may happen for two years because nothing happened for us for three years. He experienced it, the favor of God. He experienced it the first year. Wow. Just amazing. And they said, you're going to be able to make this kind of money. You're going to be able to do these kinds of things. But it probably won't happen for three years. It happened in the first year. He has another record year this year. And so, and he is the first to admit it's the favor of God. And then I said, you need to go back to Chris and Bruce and tell them, thank you for being honest with me. Hmm. And he said, I have. They were honest with me. What they said I could experience, I've experienced and even more. Amen. So again, just don't be afraid. Be faithful where you're at. God knows about you and God will. Don't be, don't be anxious for anything. Um, I, was, I just realized I was an idiot. I got laid off in Salt Lake City. I got uh, let go in Wilmer. Um, and I, I just go, you know what? Let's watch and see what God will do. And he always did. It always worked out. It didn't always look that great at the beginning, but if you're faithful with little, he'll make you ruler over much more. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. That is a timely word of encouragement for somebody who might just find themselves having a hard day listening. Yep. Somebody who, who's in a rough season, maybe 2020 hasn't been what you've hoped. And you can count on the promises of God. You can count on the encouragement that Pastor Jerry just gave. And Pastor, thank you so much for taking time to invest in Mike and I. And thank our you. Love you guys. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Love you guys. Proud of you. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.